1: Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Warburg's Lindy Ruff hired to coach the New Jersey Devils. He replaces Elaine Nasruddin, who had been the interim coach after replacing John Hines. Ruff, 60 years of age, he'd been an assistant with the Rangers, previously coached the Stars and the Sabres. New Jersey also removing the interim tag from Tom Fitzgerald's title As general manager, he'd been the interim GM since January. Maybe tomorrow we get the finally official, official announcement on the NHL's return to play, and uh, all the key dates will be verified. We're looking at training camp Monday, competitive games in the qualifying round, and also the, the round robin for the top four in each conference to start on the 30th, the Stanley Cup, to be presented October 2nd at the latest draft october 6th uh what else have we got uh training camps november 17th the next season starting december 1st all that and more expect it to be officially announced maybe tomorrow hopefully tomorrow be cool to talk maybe talking about that for sure instead of speculating and giving you the reported news the speculated news on inside sports tomorrow night Thanks a lot for tuning in. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. And I'm pleased to welcome back to the program my very good friend who I have not seen in three and a half months, almost four. It's the one and only Morley Scott. Hey, Morley, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing good, Reed I'm getting a little worried, though, because... Hockey's coming back in a month, and I still have about seven or eight old games on the PVR I have to get to before the live games start. So I'm going to have to about? I, you know, I grew up in Toronto as a Leaf fan, and I still have the '67 Stanley Cup game to watch. I got to watch that in the '70s when Lanny McDonald scored in overtime uh, to beat the New York Islanders. I have to watch that one yet as well. And I, uh, and that one, uh, that one's going to be a fun one to watch, I'm sure, because nobody expected anything from the Leafs in the '70s, right? So. Uh, yeah, I got I and mean, I got the Canada Cup games to watch still from what '87. So, oh, so these are all
1: after. games you've been rewatching in the absence of sports. I, I've
0: been I've been watching a little bit. It, it's hard for me to watch from start to finish, so I've been okay. watching them, uh, you know, in half hour chunks or so sometimes, and fast forwarding it here and there. I have the uh, bottom of the uh, ninth to go in uh, Dennis Martinez's uh, game uh, from what 1990. 1990- 192 uh, against the LA Dodgers. I think it's going to end well, but I still have to watch the final three hitters uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning of that game. So yeah, I got I got a lot on the PVR right now that I have to get through. So I'm a little worried.
1: July 28th 1991. El Presidente, El Perfecto. One of the greatest. One of the greatest moments.
0: calls ever by uh, Dave Van Horn. One of my favorite broadcasters ever. A guy. I, I always love to hear the sound of his voice because you knew you could get the Expos in English when when he was uh, when you heard his voice. Usually I had trouble, be- you had to watch the Expos in French so much after the Blue Jays came into existence. But yeah, Dave Van Horn, one of my all-time favorite guys to listen to. I know he's been on the show several times with you. Uh, by, uh, by all reports, a pretty decent guy and a great broadcaster. Still going strong, too
1: well i'm I'm glad you've been uh, I didn't realize you were that committed to watching old sporting events while while all of this has been going on so i'm I so looking
0: I am looking forward to watching a game that I can't google the end of before it's over <laughs>
1: right <laughs> well that's a that's a good point see i've I've been the exact opposite I have found. I did watch most of Game 3 of the 87 Canada Cup when that was replayed a few weeks ago. It was on or on a Saturday or Sunday <coughs> afternoon. I think I picked it up halfway through the first period. I watched that. Other hey, than that, I, I, I can't watch an entire game that I've already seen. Just yeah, show me I'm the think about, Can I tell
0: you a funny story about that, uh, that game, uh, game 3 of that series in 87, right? I was, I was working in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan then, uh, but I watched that game in a suite at the Viscount Gort Hotel in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Everything in the room was comped to me. I just had to sign when it came to the room, room service, restaurant, mini bar, whatever I wanted, because I was a guest of Don Whitman that weekend, because uh, as they did back in the day when they, they showed the, uh, the, lo- the Western lottery pick, Uh, When they did the numbers, they had a little TV show that ran after the news all the time, and they'd bring a guy in from some little radio station or TV station around Western Canada, and he'd bring a little video about his city and talk about his town and then help uh, draw the numbers or hit the button to draw the numbers. I was lucky enough to be that guy at one point. Uh, They flew me into Winnipeg. They put me up at the Viscount Gord Hotel, uh, and uh, that was the night that that game took place when Mario Lemieux scored the game-winning goal. I'm sitting all by myself with uh, chicken wings and pizza and all the food I could order for free sitting around in my room. And I remember when, when Lemieux scored, jumping up off the couch, and I could hear people in, in all the rooms yelling and screaming after Lemieux had scored that goal. And that's, whenever I think about that game, I think about the late great Don Whitman.
1: You got to help draw the lottery numbers. That is amazing. Yeah, you got to you got to push the button to start uh, start the, the the balls spinning in the, in the
0: in the big bubble, and they played that the, the popcorn song. You know, they played that while the balls were spinning and everything. It was uh, it was a really cool experience. Somewhere, I have some pictures of the event uh, taking place. If I can ever find them, I'll make sure I show them to you.
1: I, I'm glad you brought that up, and, and funny that came up because last week I got talking to John Shannon about. Canadian broadcasters. I think we started with Chris Cuthbert changing stages and Don Whitman came up and I mentioned how my one of my first memories of Don Whitman was not calling sports but seeing him do the lottery numbers and and John Shannon said when Whitman was calling playoff series he always hoped his games were Tuesday and Thursday. So he could fly back to Winnipeg on Wednesday, do the lottery show, and then get back to, to whatever he, series. You he know, was doing. you know
0: what that you know what that tells me, Reed? That tells me Don Whitman got paid very well to do that lottery show.
1: Yeah, the lottery show was, was I I wish they still had a lottery show. I think people would watch it. I mean, when there's sixty million dollars on the line. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They'd so hold the ticket and watch the numbers drop. Morley Scott joining us tonight inside Sports at six thirty. Chad, Morley, like, what do you, what do you, th- what's it been like for you in the morning? I mean, I'm on I've been on every evening, and I've, I feel kind of bad because I've been telling people, well, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. And now it seems like really maybe tomorrow for the initial I, rolling something up.
0: I, I get up every morning and I say, I heard Reed say last night that maybe today. So maybe it'll be today. Um, <laughs> it, it is kind of interesting. Eh, how it just uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow through this whole thing with the National Hockey League. And we're finally at the point where tomorrow looks like it's going to be the day the players finish the vote uh, electronically tomorrow. Their window closes to vote. The Board of Governors, I believe, have their conference call tomorrow to vote. So uh, tomorrow actually could be the day, Reid, and and that'll be exciting to to get everything announced and get all the details that everybody's just kind of making up and slash speculating on uh we'll get all those details uh, out for sure which will be uh, which will be kind of interesting because man it's going to be a lot of hockey i'm looking forward to it those first couple of days are going to be fantastic you're going to be drinking water out of a fire hose it's going to be coming at you so hard uh you know three days three games a day from toronto three games a day from edmonton all spaced out nicely so you can watch the majority of every game uh it's going to be a great great way to come back
1: yeah, it'll be like the the first weekend of the NCAA basketball tournament, except it'll, it could go on for, well, 10 days, right? could be the opening round. Yeah, and, and if, it'll
0: also be a sport more people enjoy as well.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I will say this. The NCAA tournament. <laughs> That's I, true. I, I used, I, I, I've heard it's pretty big. I've heard it's pretty big. It's, it's pretty big. It's pretty fun to watch, though. I, I used to spend more time watching it because you'd have rivalries and storylines and players to follow year after year. Now all the top players either don't go to college or go after the first year, and right? The so, turn- you, you, you
0: And when the tournament's on, you just got to make sure you watch the last three minutes of every game, right? Pretty much so well, true, what yeah. decided for the most part.
1: Morley Scott joining us tonight play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Eskimos and of course uh, delivers your morning sportscast here on 630 Chet the C- the Canadian Football League what do you make of this latest rumor Morley <laughs> that, that they might do a six-game season and maybe it would be Winnipeg or Regina as a hub and, and uh, I mean some people already think too many teams make the playoffs in the CFL as it is but they might let eight of the nine in like is do you think this is a realistic path or do you think it's just the latest thing they're thinking about to try to save some games
0: how would you like to be that 19 that 19 by the way that doesn't if make it one team yeah man that would be that'd be tough uh, uh yeah I, I don't know uh six games isn't very much it's it's enough i think to, to give it a, a quasi legitimacy and it sets up for a playoff spot uh the thing i don't like about what's going on in the cfl now is we just we just don't hear enough from the actual decision makers about what they want to do and what they're planning to do. It's just too much stuff coming out from the quote unquote insiders and too many rumors and you know. It was it was Winnipeg. It was Regina. Then there was talk. Hamilton was going to be a hub team. Uh, We just don't you know, even from the beginning, the NHL said, you know, we want to play. This is what we want to do. And here's how we're going to try and do it. The NBA did the same thing. Major League Baseball they are just a mess. But at least they had a plan that they were trying to get to fruition. The CFL, we just don't hear much, especially lately from them. I know Randy Ambrose talked a lot. First, uh, you know, two or three months of this uh, of the pandemic, and especially uh, when when training camps were to start and the seasons were it was to start, but we just haven't heard a lot from him lately, and, and we don't really have any grasp of what the real story is you know we we hear that the you know we hear from a lot of players who are pretty fed up with the fact that they don't even have any kind of information that's what scares me the most if if they do get into a situation where they can play and where they are going to play will they have enough time to put it together that's what uh, i'm worried about and and the other half part of it for me is the expenses i mean if you're going to go and and send nine teams with all their players the coaching staff the trainers and support staff to winnipeg that's I'm going to guess that's about 60 players, 60 people per team. Uh, You're going to have to house those people and feed them for uh, up to two months if it's a six-game schedule, six six to eight weeks. Uh, and then playoffs, like where does that money come from? So I really think the CFL is going to have to get some financial aid from the federal government, and I don't know if that's going to be possible. I don't know if they've given away all the money as of yet, but if they have any left, the CFL would sure like some, and it would go a long way to uh, getting the game back on the field. But uh, everyone else can do the Hub City model, so I don't see how it wouldn't work for the Canadian Football League if they do it right, and to do it right costs a lot of money, Right.
1: Yeah, Morley, look, we had a lot of discussion on Inside Sports the last couple of nights about the uh, Eskimos name change, the the pressure from one of the sponsors, all that kind of stuff. The the team says they'll announce something by by the end of the month, so we'll see. Uh, But the AGM is coming up to kind of tell us what to expect there. And could there be any meaty name change discussion then, or might that happen in, a, in another form?
0: Well, it, 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 under normal circumstances, I think the name change would come up, but I'm not sure if it will come up or not this year. Because they're doing it virtually, right? I think they're doing it over one of those massive Zoom calls or something. I'm, I'm not sure how it all is going to work technically, but usually they open up the dressing room and shareholders can go and it's open to the public and they can go and they can sit and they uh, they can uh, listen to the president talk. They can listen to the general manager talk and they can listen to the coach talk. And uh, they all talk about the past year and, and they all look ahead towards this year. It's usually very informative, but... Uh, it's going to be different this year. It's already been postponed once by the Eskimos, and, and now they're going to do it uh, on Wednesday of next week. So I expect we'll hear from uh, President Chris Preston, and we'll hear from uh, General Manager Brock Sunderland. And I guess obviously because it's virtual, we can probably hear from uh, uh, the head coach as, as well, uh, Scott Milanovic. So uh, we'll hear from them, and, and usually they open the floor up to questions. And there's always questions from from fans who just like to go to the meeting and sit in the meeting. Uh, There's questions from shareholders as well. So that question would definitely come up if it was uh, the open meeting as usual. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's going to come up on Wednesday or not. Uh, somebody will probably answer ask the question, and, and usually uh, the president and the GM hold uh, hold media availabilities after as well, so I'm sure it would come up at that point also. Uh, but the Eskimos have said, like, that's the 15th, right, next Wednesday. Uh, they've said they're going to wait uh, or take the rest of this month to to do some internal studies and, and get some conversations going and, and make a, an updated announcement at the end of the month. So the answer on Wednesday could be stay tuned, we'll have something for you at the end of the month. So it might be pretty uh, short and simple.
1: Right. And and this is the meeting where we usually get the financials from. So we'll get 2019's financial statement. Yeah. I imagine
0: next year's AGM will be more interesting than this year's because this year's will have nothing to do with COVID. Uh, this is all pre-pandemic the information that, that the Eskimos will be releasing for the calendar year for 2019. Uh, next year's AGM meeting will be the interesting one, and we'll see how much money it actually cost the Eskimos uh, through this pandemic. They, of course, have laid off a lot of staff. A lot of staff, I believe, have taken some reduction in pay as well. And of course, you know, there's there's no income coming in with uh, with ticket sales or or advertising or program sales or whatever. Uh, even I think because of the the eskimos name situation i think even their merchandise sales have probably slowed down a little bit and you know the the old saying right out of sight out of mind so if they're not playing people probably aren't buying jerseys and t-shirts
1: yeah that's a good point all right morley thanks for checking in it is always a pleasure to chat with you have a great morning and we'll talk to you next week man thanks reed good to talk to you as always my friend stay safe that is morley scott I did not know he got to do the, uh, the the I think it was the Western Express. I did I didn't know he got to do the Western Express draw for the numbers with Don Whitman in 1987. My respect level for Morley was already high; it has increased. We're back after the break. bueller writing into the show solution for the eskimos edmonton green golds all capital letters i wonder where he got that idea james says will the 2021 season be a full 82 game schedule for the nhl yes they want it to be they definitely want to play a full 82 games this texture says, if the NHL is coming to Edmonton, I'm sure everyone will be tested in their home city before flying here. They will then stay in the bubble. So if people are concerned, then uh, stay out of the bubble, not that you would be allowed in anyway. Well, a lot of testing. And uh, I mean, all the documents are online about when and they're, they're going to test players. And once they're in the hub city, they're going to be tested all the time. And if there's anybody positive, they're going to be pulled out of the bubble and not allowed to play and and uh and and kept apart from other teammates so you know hopefully I know we had a couple people calling in skeptical about the NHL finishing the season i I think they will finish it i I mean I think if there is an illness that hopefully it can be isolated i'm uh, I'm quite skeptical though about major league baseball finishing the season oh Jay Bueller's upset he wanted me to say it like I say red blacks all right so this is how it would sound Edmonton great did that come through, Kel?
2: I think the reverb
1: with different you Different acoustics in, your basement, in my basement. Helps. Yeah. Yeah, different acoustics <laughs> in my basement. You got uh, yeah. Love it. Anyway, I don't think that would be the team name if no. they do change. It's not not a sure thing. All right. We'll take a timeout for the 730 news. Always good to catch up with Mark. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. We'll, uh, well, we'll talk about a lot of things with him, but also curling's return to play. Some pretty interesting things there. He'll fill us in. guitar intro ain't talking about love edward van halen on the lead guitar good sports pump up tune mark kennedy's on the line one of the greatest curlers in the history of the game what do you listen to before a curling match mark do you have a pump up song i I
2: knew you were gonna ask something like that
1: well it's, it's not 70s
2: rock that's for sure um no, I don't really have much anymore. Maybe in my younger days, maybe a little bit of hip-hop and stuff, but I'm too old for that stuff now.
1: <laughs> Just Maybe some nice Zamfir before you go down on the ice, little Nanima scurry maybe.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, you know what i learned over the years is getting amped up for a curling game probably isn't the best uh, best approach. You know, Going in a little bit more calm and cool and collected as opposed to some of the other sports is probably better for me anyway.
1: Yeah, the curling is uh, you gotta you gotta keep your energy under control and you gotta keep your mind working as, as well as your body. That's for sure. I want to talk to you about some curling stuff, but uh, how are you doing? We we had you on right when everything started getting uh, shut down, and I think you just come back. You were actually in the states, weren't you? And you came back from that.
2: Yeah, that's right. We were down in Phoenix for a cheerleading competition when everything kind of hit the fan. So we made our way home, and we've been here ever since. Um, but yeah, doing good doing good Reed finished up the homeschooling with the girls and then just you know lots of lots of training and off-season prep um for a curling season that doesn't look like it's going to happen but um but we're hanging in there pretty
1: good when was the last time like you've been on the ice have you been able to throw or do anything
2: no the last time we curled was our uh, last game at the briar the 3-4 game that we lost to brad gushu in early march so it's been a good four or five months since we've been on the ice
1: my goodness, that is yeah. uh, an incredible uh, length of time. So you said, you know, a curling season that might not happen. How come you feel a little pessimistic that there might not be something that goes on?
2: Well, there might be something, but our um, our main uh, events, the Grand Slam of Curling events, uh, they released a statement yesterday saying they are postponing our three events in 2020 uh, into 2021. Now, so the first Grand Slam event won't be until April, which is our Players Championship. Um, And so that's kind of the first big curling decision that's come down from the governing bodies and and that might set the tone for the the rest of the events to also postpone. Uh, So that was big news in the curling world. So now we're all kind of wondering what our fall is going to look like.
1: Man, that's, uh, that's tough. But I mean, nothing official on the, the Breyer or the Scotties for the upcoming season or anything?
2: No, nothing official yet. I mean, we've been in contact with a lot of people. There's been a lot of discussions about how to do it and um, what that looks like. Thankfully, the Breyer and Scotties aren't until February and March, so they have a little bit of time here to wait and see. Uh, and, and I know Curl Canada, that's kind of where their energy is focused, is making sure that there is a national championship uh, the other events that are on the docket for Curl Canada, such as the Canada Cup and the Continental Cup, my guess is those will be cancelled because they are in the in the fall coming up here. Um, so, you know, it's still kind of a wait and see what happens. You know, if, if you're asking me personally, I don't think there's going to be, I don't think I'm going to be throwing a rock competitively until the new year. Um, but, uh, you know, just a lot of talk and a lot of, Discussion for now and we'll we'll see what happens. I think a big part of it is waiting to see how it goes with all the big sports You know seeing how these things play out with Major League Baseball and with the NHL and seeing if they can have some success or if it just turns into a You know uh, a a big mistake. I guess we'll see what happens
1: So with curling Because a lot of the discussion, Mark, that that I've been having when we talk about leagues like the CFL, AJHL, Western Hockey League, they need to have some sort of fans to be able to have a season. The the TV deal isn't there. Is curling for these major events in in the same boat that you just, you know, the, the revenue's not there if there's not at least somebody in the building?
2: I, I think that's a big part of it, Reed. I, I think the financial viability of curling comes from its spectators, for sure, um, especially from a Curl Canada perspective with the Brier and the Continental Cup. They need fans in the stands. So, you know, are they willing to run events and lose money? Um, and is it worth the risk? You know, probably not. You know, Grand Slams are a little bit different. They are owned by Sportsnet. So I don't think that it was a financial decision as much as it was... You know the health and safety of the athletes and the staff and the volunteers i i just think when you start to look at putting something together from an event standpoint there's so many risks there's so many what-ifs and um you know is it worth it at the end of the day or is it time to just be patient and wait and see you know perhaps there's a vaccine or better treatments or or things get better here um And I think they made the right decision. I think there's just way too many risks and uncertainties at this time to try to force something um, on a a limited budget. You know, that's the other issue here is you could actually play the game of curling socially distanced. Right. They they sent out guidelines where you can play our sport uh, effectively socially distanced. There's rules in place already for uh, club-level players to be able to play. So curling clubs look like they'll open, which is wonderful. The problem with our competitive sport is the logistics around getting to the events you know travel hotels it's going to be impossible for us to create the bubble we need on the limited budget that curling is right so so that's kind of the big problem and having us on the road you know a lot of us have young families so you know are we coming home and quarantine for two weeks before we go back on the road again it just wasn't something that we could do and um so at the end of the day, I'm not surprised by the decision, and, and probably it's it's probably the best decision.
1: Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, tough decision, but, uh, I mean, a yeah. lot of tough decisions are, are, are being made now. Curler Mark Kennedy joining us tonight on uh, on Inside Sports. So in terms of, of some of the return-to-play protocols, though, for curling, and, and I mean, I guess so, so there could be your Tuesday night uh, men's league or whatever, but there's there's some yeah. different rules about sweeping and player interaction and all that kind of stuff
2: yeah yeah exactly you you know i I scanned it briefly um so you know only having one sweeper instead of two you know you designate one guy to sweep down the ice so you avoid that contact with your second sweeper Um, the opposition has certain places where they're allowed to stand while one team is throwing so you have to stay at a certain point between the hog lines Um, you're always going to be traveling up and down the same side of the sheet so that you give sheets beside you the space that they need. So it's a little bit more, uh, you know, structured as to how things are happening when a rock is not being thrown. Uh, And then the other big one is no sweeping behind the T line for the opposing team. So you, the skip needs to stay at the hack uh, until the field of play is cleared. So, you know, it's pretty big changes, but, but very manageable and doable uh, so that curling clubs can stay open, which is, which is fantastic news, you know. Hopefully, every club is able to keep the lights on and keep their um, curlers coming into play, and, and you know, having a beer after and that type of thing, which is uh, huge for our sport for those curling clubs to open in the fall.
1: Well, and, and I think you make a great point. I mean, for someone like you, curling is a, a, a profession and, and highly comedi- competitive it's social for a lot of people and i mean unfortunately there was that uh the bond spiel in edmonton was a lot of the doctors from saskatchewan took it right. took, took the virus back and that was that was tough to see and i'm not saying that's on the sport of curling so hopefully that, that social aspect can can remain intact because i think that's why a lot of people curl right yeah obviously they, they love the game but then there's the interaction on top of that
2: Oh, absolutely. I think for 99% of curlers, it's about getting out and, uh, you know, being with their teammates and, and socializing and also getting a little bit of activity. Um, you know, look at look at the numbers for golf right now. People are dying to just get out and, and do something. Um, and curling will be no different. Come, come wintertime, it might even be more important. To, to be able to get out and go to your rink and be surrounded by some friends and have a good time and, and be able to play a sport that you love. So, uh, you know, I think Curl Canada did a great job with the guidelines. You know, they're pretty uh, in detail um, and, and gives curling clubs an opportunity to, to do their thing and we can keep our sport vibrant and viable. And, and you know what? That's the disappointing part is is people have gotten so used to having so much curling on TV, you know, not having it on the tube next season is going to be uh going to be a tough pill for our sport to swallow i think
1: yeah yeah that's a really good point mark kennedy joining us on inside sports mark uh you and i both uh fashion ourselves as as runners at least we try to do a couple races a year and finish (laughs) well like i always say i'm a completer not a competitor because god knows if i were competing (laughs) uh i wouldn't my career wouldn't have lasted very long quick story here for people i have told this before but the first time uh i actually well a lot of my relationships with people are over the phone interviewing them but you and i have seen each other uh socially and professionally in person but the first time i saw mark in person i was running the canada day 15k which unfortunately was was canceled this year and i I was going on the grope bridge because it goes across the grope bridge and you do a loop of horlick park and this guy blows by me And I kind of just get a glimpse of your profile, profile, and I was like, that guy looks familiar. And then you're ahead of me, and I see the gold medal uh, tattoo on the back of your leg. And I was like, okay, that better be Mark Kennedy, or somebody's (laughs) really cocky, thinking they can get an Olympic rings and a gold medal uh, tattoo. So anyway, have you been doing any uh, any running? You
2: you knew it wasn't Kevin Martin, because you knew he wasn't
1: that fast. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Uh, that's uh, true. I would. Good. I would not. I know have he wouldn't be listening to fast. this, but I hope he is. That's funny. I, I hope he is too. He should be. Have, yeah. you, have you anyway? Are, are, have you been running, or what? What's he, what have you been doing to stay in shape?
2: That's a great story. I remember you texting me after saying, "Hey, was that you that blew by me yeah. on
1: the Grote
0: Bridge?" He <laughs> said, "Yeah, it might have been."
1: And well, you started late, didn't you? Because clearly you were faster than me, so you wouldn't I, have been I, that. I don't remember. Did they do like some staggered starts or
2: something for that? Maybe I, I can't exactly oh, maybe, remember. I don't know. But don't don't sell yourself short, Reed. You're a pretty good runner. I don't think I flew by you that fast. I think we finished pretty close together. But
1: I can I can finish. I had a really good half marathon <laughs> last year, which I which again, unfortunately, I won't get to to do. It. But didn't your whole family do the ten k last year? Yeah, we, we love to
2: run. I mean, it's something our family does to stay active. You know, I started running a, a bunch of years ago. I thought it was great training for curling just for cardiovascular. And, and you know what? When I had young girls, um, it was hard to get to the gym every day, you know, for, for two hours with a personal trainer. So sometimes you just had to put the girls to bed and put your running shoes on and go for an evening run. And, and I fell in love with it. And um Yeah, so now our whole family does it, and uh, my wife, Nicole, actually, we started an Instagram page called the Canadian Kennedys, Um, and it was just a way for us to try to keep the girls active in this pretty tough time. Um, So we've done a bunch of 5K runs as a family and and a couple of longer ones through here in St. Albert, and um, it's something we love to do, and and, uh, we're actually doing a bunch of virtual races you know, a lot of these, uh, running companies are offering now, which is, which is great, right? You can sign up for a 5k and you just have to do it within a certain period of time, kind of on the honor system. And so we've taken that pretty seriously too, but, um, yeah, it's it's a great sport. It's a very inclusive sport. Uh you know, you you probably know this too, when you, you get to those running events and there's just a wonderful community of people that are so supportive. Doesn't matter if you're the fastest guy in the field or the slowest, everyone's cheering you on. So we really fell in love with that part of uh of running and, and something we that really brings our family together and um yeah, something we've definitely missed this summer.
1: I, I uh, You know what? and I, I've told this story before, but I, I like bringing it up. And, and for people who run or if you don't run and are thinking about getting involved, I, I'm going to – and by the way, I'm now following you on Instagram, so thanks for giving that out. Oh, you're welcome. But, <laughs> but to me, that has been – and look, when I, when I say I do races, like as I mentioned, I'm not racing anybody except myself and the weather exactly. conditions, and, and you kind of go get an official time and you, you have something to work towards, and I do two or three a year. But one of the best feelings I've had as a runner is obviously finishing feels great, but the start lines of a race, when you're in the starting corral, which I know isn't a great way to think of it, but when you're, when you're lining up to start, that is the most unifying feeling. That is the most feeling of the greatest feeling of camaraderie with other runners, because I mean, you're almost there. I mean, obviously you want to get to the finish line, but if you've made it to the start line on race day, you've done 99% of the work. And now you can kind of enjoy that race and push yourself a bit and see what you can do. And I know a lot of people tell me, well, I don't want to take up running because uh, I'll, you know, I'll I'll look too slow or I'll, I'll look foolish being sweaty, or I won't be able to go very far. And I always tell them, you know what, once you get to a starting line and once you're on the course, Nobody cares. There like, yeah. there is no judgment between runners. Everybody's no. hoping you do your personal best and and you're healthy and and you enjoy it. And I and I sincerely mean that.
2: Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't say it any better. I mean, I'd never really done a bunch of races until, you know, it was Nicole that kind of pushed me to start doing them and I couldn't agree more. You get to that start line and you're a little nervous and embarrassed about maybe your running skills, but once you get there you're like, wow, this is the most Wonderful energy I've ever felt, and these people are wonderful. And you know, every, you're just racing against yourself with, a, with a surrounded by people that are just so excited to be there. So I, I couldn't say it any better. And that's one of the reasons we just love to do it.
1: Are you looking forward to the sextuple header of hockey games? Well, that, sound, that didn't sound right now. That I've I said it like, before. Going that a lot That sounded terrible. The six <laughs> games in a row of hockey that we're going to have in three weeks. Like, note yeah, to self, you, you don't say sextuple header anymore. I don't think anyone ever said it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good.
2: Well, you're a big, you're a big young hockey fan and Oilers fan
1: too, so you're, you're ready to go here for the NHL, I would assume.
2: Yeah, I think it's – I'm looking forward to it. Um, It's a little tough to be doing it in the middle of summer, though. You know, we're going to want to be outside and doing some stuff if the weather improves here. So it's going to be interesting anyway. I'll I'll probably tune in for a few games. I'll definitely tune in for the Oiler games. I I think it's going to be a a really unique and interesting couple of weeks. And uh, you know what? If the Oilers are healthy, uh, I I think they have a good chance of uh, surprising a whole bunch of people, especially being able to play here at Rexall. Even though there's no fans, I think they'll still feel a little bit like home ice advantage, and and uh, you know I know there'll be a lot of Edmontonians cheering them on. So hopefully they can come out to play and get some good cold goaltending, and and who knows, who knows what'll happen.
1: Mark, it's always great to talk to you. Uh, people could follow you on Twitter at Lefty Ken Bear, the Canadian Kennedys on Instagram. Thanks for the updates on the news from the world of curling as well. Always appreciate it. Take care, man.
2: Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one, and uh, take care of yourself.
1: Right on. That is uh, one of my favorites, Mark Kennedy, checking in tonight on on Inside Sports. So it could be a, a tough upcoming fall and winter for curling fans, as uh, as Mark told you. Maybe in twenty twenty one, getting back to some events, but the twenty twenty calendar looks like it's going to be pretty quiet and changes just sort of at the. Uh, the, the everyday level only one sweeper some limitations to how teams are going to be able to interact but uh, hopefully people will be curling recreationally in the fall it is 10 minutes before eight is bleak. The of the- all right i looked it up kellen What you got sextuple is indeed a word adjective consisting of six parts or things. So even though it sounded kind of awkward, there will be a sextuple header of NHL games. There you go. Three, three in Edmonton and three in Toronto, likely starting July 30th. Now, maybe it'd be more accurate to say there will be triple headers in two cities since the games overlap. They'll start every two hours. So the start times in Edmonton, mountain time, will be 10 a.m., noon, 2 p.m., 4 p.m., 6 p.m., 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. So the games in Edmonton will start at 12, 4, and 8. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the 4 o'clock game will be the round-robin game, so they'll have a little bit more uh, assuredness about when it will end. But yes, overall for the NHL, it is a sextuple header. That's, an, that's just an accurate description of what's going to be happening. I don't know where Mark Kennedy's mind was going with it. You are learned. (laughs) Learned, Peppy. It's pronounced learned. Do you remember remember that episode? Yes. (laughs) Oh, Papa Homer, you are so learned. Learned, Peppy. It's pronounced learned. That's one of my favorite Homer Simpson. I love you, Pepsi. Peppy. I love you, Pepsi. Yes, that's also a good one. Do you have him in blonde? (laughs) Because what was that... uh, Bart got a big brother. Yes. They they were called something else. So then Homer got a little brother for revenge. I think that was the premise of the episode. And then, uh, yeah, I don't really remember what what else happened. I just remember the uh, Homer telling Peppy all the uh, constellations, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Papa Homer, you are so learned, 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 Peppy, Vic says, so Mark Kennedy doesn't rock. Tough act for a curler. Well, you can't listen to hard rock music before you curl. You'd be out of control. You'd be completely out of control. Could you imagine if they tried
2: doing curling like uh, those late-night bowling things that it's like the like Cosmic Bowl
1: of lasers glow curling? fog <laughs> machines? and They should have glow curling. Yes. They must have that somewhere. But we, there's another thing we could invent. So what are the things we've invented on this show? We founded a wrestling alliance, the mm-hmm. Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling, the SLAW, Road hamper, uh, road ham road hamper. <laughs> that's 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 his little brother. Uh, that could be the tag team, road hammer and road hamper. Uh, road hammers are our champion in the slaw. We invented that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, uh, I should patent my uh, the, the puck, like it'd be shaped like a big puck and it would be a holographic Christmas tree. Yeah. So you wouldn't actually have to set up your tree and you could move it around all over. So we got that, and now we have. I already forgot what's what were we were just talking about. Well, uh, cosmic curling, cosmic curling, glow, basically glow curling. But yeah, yes. we call it cosmic curling, but it would be glow curling with just neon stuff. Yeah, I want to play it now. Yeah, so do I. Well, we will. That'd be fun. Once we don't have to social distance, we can do cosmic curling. It'd probably right it'd on. be on a shorter, it'd be on a smaller ice surface, but the brooms could glow when you sweep, right? Maybe it looked like they were leaving a trail on the ice, like so there'd be some kind of glow effect. And the, they go, oh, the curling rock, the heat of the ice, could cause it to leave, like it looked like a trail behind it. So it almost looked like the old fox. I poc.
0: haven't even thought of that. That'd
1: be awesome. But yeah, when you threw the rock, the ice itself would glow as the rock went down the ice. My goodness. We're, this is what happens when we start brainstorming. This is awesome, actually. It's amazing. This be we're of the best see- ideas we've got. We're not even seeing each other, and we are still just got this vibe going. Love it. All right, here's what's happening. Uh, Bob Stauffer has orders now from noon to 2 tomorrow. We'll see if we get any NHL news. Uh, I'm filling in on 6.30 shed afternoons from 2 to 4, and I will still be doing inside sports. So I get to talk to you twice tomorrow. We'll have some fun on the afternoon show And uh, then we'll continue it on Inside Sports. And and again, if we have any definite hockey news, we will bring that to you. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.